0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Greetings to all you folks uh, up in the balcony on Zoom. Good to see you as well. My God is my shepherd, I shall not want. You make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside the still waters. You restore my soul. The Peckman family farm that I grew up on didn't have any sheep and our cows generally stayed in the barns. But we did have some fields that felt to me like these green pastures. There was one field in particular at the back of what we called the south side. It was kind of off on its own, surrounded by some woods. There was a narrow dirt lane, um, I don't know, a couple hundred yards maybe, um, that was the only way to get to the field. And the field itself was maybe an acre or two. It was usually planted in alfalfa. And when I was back there helping to make hay, I would sometimes see deer, uh, whitetails peering out through the trees. It was totally isolated. And sometimes, don't tell my dad, I would turn off the tractor for a few minutes to enjoy the quiet and solitude. That's one of the places that my mind goes when I hear about the green pastures of Psalm 23. Another is the still waters of a creek in the woods at a campground where my mom's extended family would gather for a weekend family retreat every summer. I was always one of a whole whack of kids running around in the woods uh, wading in the creek trying to catch crayfish. Wasn't a very large creek. Um, This is an actual picture of of the creek. Um, Eight or 10 feet across, maybe three feet deep at the spot that we called the swimming hole. And usually when I was there, it was crawling with kids, building dams, and pushing each other in the water. But there were moments when it was quiet, and the sun would pierce down through the trees, and you'd get that overwhelming sense of calm from being surrounded by whispering leaves and ancient rocks and gently flowing water. Peace. I imagine most of us have those same kind of memories attached to the words of this psalm, Perhaps specific green pastures or still waters come to mind. Or perhaps it's just the general sense of those sacred spaces definitely feed us and restore our souls. Today, our People of God's Peace sermon series is moving inward. What does it mean to have God's peace in our souls as individuals? Peace in our hearts and minds and bodies. To be at peace at the core of who we are. Those opening lines of Psalm 23 sound like a pretty great description of what inner peace is all about, right? Stillness, quiet, rest, serenity. I don't know about you, but that's what I've been chasing ever since March. When I picture the end of the pandemic, that elusive return to normal, whenever that might be, that's the sense that I'm longing for those peaceful days when I didn't have to worry about getting too close to people or forgetting my mask, the days when things were so much less complicated, when life was innocent and easy, breezy, beautiful. You can tell where this is going already. These green pastures and still waters, that certainly sounds like what we're trying to get back to. It sounds like home. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us. Surely this is where peace is found, in restoration, flourishing, shalom, right? I mean, surely this is the goal of inner peace. But if this is the destination, why does the psalmist begin there? And more significantly, why do they leave? Have you ever noticed that? The green pastures are the beginning of the journey, not the end. The sheep are lying down, they're Resting, they are lacking nothing, but then the shepherd comes and rouses them, gets them moving. I mean, first they go to the still waters, so it's a pretty chill journey, but there's movement. The restoration comes in motion, in walking the path of what is right. And pretty quickly, that right path turns dark and dangerous, the valley of the shadow of death, And I know the psalmist is all like, I will fear no evil, I laugh in the face of danger, ha 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 ha. But still, evil, violence, enemies. This path of righteousness is not a walk in the park. This shepherd is willing to take risks, to face danger, to endure and perhaps even incite conflict, to get the sheep to wherever they're going. That's the first thing that I want to point out about Shalom on the Inside, that it's all about motion and growth. It's not about finding a good place and then staying there. I'm going to play an audio clip from a recent podcast from The Liturgists with Dr. Hilary McBride. The hosts are having a conversation about changing faith, um, deconstruction, and Hillary is speaking about what she learned from her parents and from her own studies and practice in the field of neuroscience. She has more to say.
1: A, a particular linguistic turn of phrase that we would say constantly around the dinner table was human growth and development, human growth and development. I remember hearing from a very early age that it was actually good and right to change how we see the world that that was actually inherently part of our Mm. whole person. And I could break it down say, bio, psycho, social, spiritual, but really like our whole person development, we, we are wired to change and develop and grow. And that that is actually an expression of our flourishing. And in fact, Mm -hmm. if we inhibit that in some way, we could look at that and say, where's the pathology? Why, why is the system stuck? why, Why is it looking the same as it did before? And we actually see that it's our disposition as humans to flourish and be well. That's actually how our system wants to be. And our system Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily want to stay stuck. But if we don't have the right conditions, Mm -hmm. then that's how we exist. And a a simple analogy that I think about constantly in my practice is how if you have a, a paper cut, You don't have to think about it healing for it to heal, right? Mm -hmm. Your, your body actually wants to repair itself, that there is this, this drive in us that is pushing us always, always towards, uh, goodness, thriving connection, interdependence Mm -hmm. reparation. And then that is actually a fundamental condition of our existence, I mean, when I'm thinking about what actually is spiritual growth, I think it is anything that takes us outside of what we know and the story that we've been telling about what is. Mm. Anything that stretches us just beyond that well, seems to be kind of a universal condition for our spiritual growth and development. Mm. But if we have this idea that God is here, then actually what we need for our growth is to believe, oh, God was not not here. God was there. Or God is you. Oh, maybe God is me. Oh, God is not this. Well, that's exactly where God is. And this Mm. is the box that I've been told that God is in. And for me to actually have healthy spirituality, healthy growth is to somehow stretch and expand and step outside of that, whatever it is.
0: While God is certainly present in the green meadow, beside the still water, there's something inherent in life that finds the shepherd leading us further up and further in. Shalom requires movement, change, and growth, even the scary kind. It's the unknown, the unexplored territory where we find God. My second observation about the shalom of Psalm 23 Uh, more of a wondering, really, is about the duration and direction of the psalm. I suppose that I've often thought of this poem as operating on the grand scale of life, how the shepherd leads us through various seasons that tend to come up in every life. This is a popular text for funeral services, and I've preached from it in those settings as a way to look back over the life of the deceased to point out, well, that time when she lost her child or when he was injured and forced into an early retirement, well, that was the time in their life when they were really going through the valley of the shadow of death. Or on the flip side, well, they had just moved into the city and they were delighted in spending time with their grandchildren and reconnecting with old friends. That was a season of green meadows and still waters, et cetera. I think life feels like that sometimes, filled with ups and downs, but happening in these large seasons, generally all moving in some steady direction. Some of you are familiar with the classic uh, Christian novel, Pilgrim's Progress. The hero is on the road to the celestial city, and he goes through a series of trials and troubles. It's one challenge after after another, with periods of rest and healing in between. It's a long journey, but each step, even The most challenging stages is a step forward towards the ultimate destination. That's how I usually think of this psalm, a long winding path through the pastures, down into the valley, through the confrontation with the enemies, and then winding up with the heavenly feast in the eternal house of Yahweh. But look at the poem again through the eyes of an actual shepherd. Again, I have very limited experience with pasture-based agriculture, but I do believe that eating and drinking is a daily activity for sheep, not a seasonal one. So I imagine that this journey is a regular routine, a day in the life of a shepherd. So you might get up every morning, lead the sheep out to the pasture to let them graze for a while, and then over to the creek for some water, back out to the pasture, and back to the water, repeat that throughout the day. Then the sun starts to go down, and so the shepherd leads the sheep through on the path back towards home. Now the valley is dark, and well, you know, Elijah lost a couple of his sheep to a pack of wolves in this exact spot just last week, so this is definitely a scary spot with shadows rising. You grip that rod and staff pretty tightly, then when you get the sheep safely back to their home, it's finally time to eat a bit yourself, but you have to share your meal with the other workers, and while we all know how poorly everyone treats shepherds, it's almost like trying to eat with your enemies. Then it's back to work, taking care of some of the sick sheep. I'm told that's what the anointing, oil, anointing with oil line is all about. It's the shepherd protecting his sheep from infestations of flies or perhaps treating any cuts and bruises from the trail. And then finally, it's time to go home to rest for a while. Then the next day, it's back to the pastures and back to the waters, again with the valley and the enemies, the eating and the tending, and then to rest again before we go out for another day, and so on. It may be that this is a poem for the grand scale of life. Sometimes we find peace in extended seasons of green pastures where life makes sense and we feel healthy and whole. Sometimes we do hit those valleys where just everything is darkness and trouble, where we're overwhelmed and the only path to peace seems to be to hunker down and endure until we reach the other side. But more often, I think peace looks something more like this. Our days are a mixture of both, of pastures and dark shadows right up against each other of still waters in one moment and conflict with enemies the next. So maybe this is a shepherd's poem for the daily grind, the daily highs and lows, the daily reminder that surely this day, too, is part of the goodness and mercy that follow me every day of my life. Pastor Eileen and I were talking about that reality this week, and she mentioned a day when she attended a friend's funeral in the morning and a granddaughter's dance recital in the afternoon. That sounds about right, weeping in the morning, dancing in the afternoon. That sounds like shepherd wisdom to me. You never get to spend the whole day in the meadow. The work is never entirely finished. You never go through the valley of shadows once and for all. Life doesn't happen with clean lines and straightforward progress. The good and the bad come all mixed up and sometimes they just stay that way day after day. And still, somehow, day after day, there is a table. There is nourishment and healing. Somehow, all of this is still goodness and mercy, day after day. So then, peace, just as peace is not about remaining in the innocence that we found in the green meadows at the start of the poem, peace is also much more than just finally arriving at the glorious destination, the house of Yahweh. You poetry enthusiasts will have noticed already that the last stanza of the poem switches to the future tense. Goodness and love will follow me, and I will dwell in the house of my God. I can imagine the exhausted shepherd repeating that like a mantra at the end of each day. Even today's troubles will turn into goodness and love. Things will be better tomorrow. I will dwell in the house of my God, the length of my days. Some days are like that, when peace feels like a future hope that we can barely hold on to. But in the details of the poem, the peace of God's presence is literally in the present tense the whole time. I know that's supposed to be obvious. It's right there in the opening line. My God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Full stop. That is shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, already at the start, whether the sheep are aware of it or not. The poem isn't describing the process of how to get to shalom. It's an affirmation of the peace of God that is present all the time. It's there in the restoration of the green pastures and still waters, of course. It's also there in the valley of shadows, in the solace of the rod and staff, countering the weight of fear. It's there in the confrontation with enemies, the table of nourishment. It's there in the work of healing and tending the wounds. My thirst is quenched, my cup is filled. That's how the the shepherd poet is so confident confident that goodness and love will follow because that's what has been evident at every convoluted step of the journey. As people of faith, we know this. We've seen it ourselves. Not constantly, but often enough that we are still here. We are still longing for the divine embrace, still hoping for shalom on the inside. The desire for God, whatever that feels like to you, is witness to the experience of God's presence. I think that is why this poem has endured as so meaningful for so many people. There's something about the looking for shalom that brings it into being. Not by jumping ahead to the end of the story, but by learning to see, or at least by trying to see, the goodness and love of God in everything, all of our days. Wherever you are in the journey today, whatever valleys and shadows and enemies you may encounter, whatever the moments of restoration may look like, my prayer for each of us is that we will pay attention to the longing for shalom inside of us that we will allow the longing to point us to the belonging of everything. Peace be with you, inside and out. Amen.